So while Carrie's going to be setting up some chairs here, I've got a few announcements um, before we get rolling here. Um, the first is when you came in, you saw some programs on the welcome table there. Inside the program, we have our Kid City News. Uh, you can learn if, if your kids are down there, that's what they're going to be talking about. We'd love for you to kind of be in the loop, and maybe that'll be some dinner table discussion for families this week. There's also a connection card in there. Um, there's a few things on the connection card. Uh, we want to check out one. If we don't have your contact info, please give that to us. We'd love for you to be in the loop. We send out uh, fairly regular emails, usually like three or four a month, uh, to kind of let you know what's coming up in Restore, what happenings and events you can be a part of. We'd love for you to, to know what's going on. There's also uh, a, a space for suggestions, like if you have ideas or songs you want to hear, topics maybe we, you want to see us uh, teach about, you can put that on the connection card as well. And then also, if you have prayer requests, uh, we'd really love to be praying for you. If there's something in particular that's kind of been on your mind and heart that you want more people involved in uh, in regards to prayer, we'd love to hear from you on that. You can fill those out and drop them in the, the box on the way out. There's a box on the welcome table. Or you can do all of that that I just described through our app. You can download the Restore Church app by uh, searching We Are Restore or We Are Restore eChurch, um, I think on Google Play. And on there, you got a connection card. You can give through that app. You can listen to sermons through that app. And we'd love for you to, to download that. And we also put announcements and, and occasionally send out push notifications to kind of let you know what's coming up and how you can get involved. And then next Sunday, we have a couple of exciting launches. One is we're celebrating our eighth anniversary as a church. So we are really pumped. It's kind of hard to believe, actually, that eight years. Wow. And... Uh, yeah, we're, we're just hoping we can have a very celebratory Sunday, and you'll join us next Sunday for that. And then also next week uh, on Sunday and then on Monday, uh, we are having our first Neighborhood Collective gatherings of this season. So at Neighborhood Collectives, we have prayer, we have food and drinks, and we have guided discussion. Uh, and it's our efforts to live in authentic community with one another. We heard a speaker this week that said, um, without, I think he said, without unity, there is no community. And when we come around the table and we intentionally engage in prayer and discussion around uh, the Spirit of God, we know that God does something special in that. And Neighborhood Collectives gives us that intentional opportunity to do that. We meet twice a month. They're on the first and third weeks of the month. One meets in the living room on Sunday afternoons, and one meets in Ian and Andrea Howard's home on Monday nights. So if you want to know more about that, where to go, what time, you can write that on your connection card and let us know. Uh, with that, uh, we have some guests that I'm going to introduce here in a few minutes, but I'm going to invite them to come on up and have a seat on the stools as I continue to talk and weave my way through the... So this is um, Lanise and Lee and Carrie. I'm gonna, they're they're going to be sharing today, but before we get rolling and, and hear some from them, um, kind of introduce what we're going to be talking about, what they're going to be um, sharing uh, about today. So Restore is a missional church, and I'm going to define what missional church means a little bit more over the coming two weeks, but there are a couple unique or one unique aspect that I want to talk about today and related, that relates to our panel um, sharing today, and one aspect of a missional church that we follow is the trail of grace that the Holy Spirit uh, leaves for us to notice, all right? So many of joy, so for example, like so many of joys of parenthood um, are introducing our kids to experiences we had 
as kids, like riding a roller coaster for the first time or showing them one of our favorite movies that was uh, when we grew up as a kid. So like, for example, uh, we've been introducing our kids to some of our favorite movies like Friday the 13th, Full Metal Jacket. and <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm irresponsible, but I'm not that irresponsible. Um, more, we have been introducing them to movies, but like movies like The Goonies, uh, Labyrinth, E.T. was a big one. Um, my personal all-time favorite is Field of Dreams for any baseball nuts. That was something that Ty and I have enjoyed together because he loves baseball. There's a scene in one of these movies, E.T., uh, Steven Spielberg's you know, masterpiece, great movie, um, that relates to what's, what it's like to be a missional church. And we prob- if you've seen the movie, um, spoiler alert, like 40 years later, but um, <laughs> Elliot <laughs> meets this alien, E.T., and remember how he kind of befriends E.T. as he leaves a trail of Reese's Pieces, uh, pieces going into his house like to kind of connect. And that's how the Holy Spirit can work with us. The Holy Spirit leaves these trails for us to notice and they almost always relate to a relationship, all right? Like with E.T. and Elliot. But every time the Holy Spirit, um, I, I guess I can't say every time, but most of the time when Holy Spirit is, is working and speaking and leading us, it is through the trail of a relational breadcrumbs, of a certain person or people group that the Spirit wants, to, wants us to connect to. So as a missional church, that's how we roll. We just try to pay attention to the signs that God is leading us into. And I remember eight years ago when we started Restore, um, one of the church planning organizations we were part of, Stadia, um, they had a, a strong request that we would join them in a specific mission work. And I agreed to it at first. And it was $25,000 of agreement. agreement. Like, we're going to give you 25000 towards this. And after making that agreement, a few months later, I think, I felt real conviction of like, that's not my decision to make, uh, to give that kind of money away. That is a community decision uh, to follow the breadcrumbs or the trail of the spirit. And so I called them. <laughs> I've had to do a lot of these calls where I just disappoint people, get used, real used to it. Um, and I told them, I'm like, we can't do it. And they were not happy. Um, I just said, because I think it's going to take our community to discover what the Spirit is leading us into when it comes to mission and justice and restorative work. And so I backed out of that. Um, and the relationship that, that we're, I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit leads us into this, it, it, the phenomenon in Scripture is called person of peace, which is a phrase we've used in Restore. And there's also a verse that we use in Restore constantly, kind of our vision verse, and it's the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. And you've probably heard it before if, if you've been to church It says, uh, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that is our vision, that we want heaven to come to earth. And I want to focus on one particular aspect of that prayer, the daily bread part. Because as a missional church, we believe in something called Missio Dei, the belief that the Holy Spirit is working in every single moment of the day and in every relationship and connection we have, whether it be friend or enemy. We, we view it as an opportunity for God to work as the trail of like Reese's pieces that 
Elliot leaves or the breadcrumbs that the Holy Spirit leads and always relates to that relationship and what God is trying to restore. And as a community, we try to respond to that. So we're doing this series called Why Church? And one of the reasons why church, that we do church, is for justice and restoration. That is a big part of our church, and it's a path which always comes from Jesus Christ. And so that's what's led us as a church into our work with refugees globally and locally over these past five years. And that's why these three people are up here, because they've experienced that movement um, in different ways over the last five years. So about five years ago, I apologize for the graphic nature of this, but we, many of us saw this picture in the news headlines of a young Syrian boy, Alan Kurdi, who had drowned off the coast of Turkey as his family was on their journey uh, fleeing war and seeking asylum in Greece. And collectively, it ripped our hearts out. Um, I remember that particular week, Carrie and I heard from multiple people in our church community saying, we have to do something about this. This is not okay. And it was the the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit saying, here, move. And we did. And so over the last five years, we got, uh, we got connected to an organization called Servant Group International. Uh, we have taken five trips to Europe, specifically Greece, to serve our ministry partners who are working with uh, Middle Eastern refugees seeking asylum there. I now work for Servant Group International. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Ten years ago, I didn't even know what a refugee was. And that's Sad to admit, but it's true. But when you start following the, the, the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit, you never know where God's going to lead you into, uh, and that's globally. Meanwhile, we have Central and South American refugees fleeing terrible circumstances in their countries, seeking asylum in the U.S. So as most of you know, just down the stairs out here, we have a space called the living room. It's a co-working and event space, among other things we've used it for. And we've listed it on Yelp for the last four or five years or so, and on liquid space. And one of the Yelp inquiries, in, I can't say that word. Um, in, thank you. Can you say it? Inquiries. There we go. One of those uh, was from Lenise. Uh, I, got a, I got this uh, email from her requesting to, to, use the, to rent the space for a, quote, Bible study. And I was like, okay, yeah. So she, she rented the space out. It was probably like, what, two, two and a half years ago? And uh, we have uh, cameras in the living room. I remember, like, seeing one night, seeing their, like, yeah, we have a security (laughs) camera in there. Uh, We have a security system in there, and it detects movement so we can see what's going on in there. And I just saw it pop up on my phone, looking at it for a second, and I'm like, it's this massive Spanish-speaking worship gathering. I'm like, what? This is incredible. So I emailed her. And, and said, hey, I want to take you to lunch. I want to hear more about your ministry. And she was like, I think she was pretty nervous about, uh, about that. I don't know why. I had to speak in English, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but over the last couple of years, um, we've gotten to know what she's doing in her ministry called City of Refuge. And we were just talking beforehand. And I said, how many people have come to know Christ through your ministry? And she said, close to 100 of these refugees uh, have been have committed their lives to Christ through this, this ministry of hers. And it's a person, yeah, it's amazing. We're just riding your coattails, taking credit, you know. That's, <laughs> it's amazing what God has done uh, through that ministry. And it's just following the breadcrumbs of a person of peace, of someone who's responding to the Holy Spirit in her life and leading others, and we get to follow her lead and learn from her. And you've taken us on this ride where now we get to do English lessons uh, with her community, 
um, and then the next round is coming up in October. Uh, so it's just, that's how God works. And so I want to introduce, obviously, Lenise, and there's Lee and Carrie here. Um, they've been involved locally and globally in different ways. And so I just wanted you to hear about how their involvement, how it's impacted them. Um, so I want you guys to kind of just take turns introducing yourself. So tell, tell these, these wonderful people your name, a little bit about you, and then what were, the first question is kind of what got you involved? Like what were the breadcrumbs that led to your involvement with what you have each participated in in regards to this justice work? Okay, so first of all, good morning, everybody. God bless you. Um, I love you all. I love this church. Um, you don't even know it, but you guys are impacting. I see, impacting um, so many people, not even realizing. We we gather once a month down in the living room, and we see hundreds of people coming and um, receiving Jesus. And sometimes I keep seeing them, and other times I don't. But um, let me answer the questions. Let me go back over here. So I just want to know that I just wanted to let you know that. Even though you sometimes don't realize it, your church is really impacting many, many, many people. So thank you so much. So about me, I'm Lenny's. Um, I live in the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I work here in Silver Spring. I have two kids, 16 and 12. Um, to answer the, uh, uh, the other part of the question, how, how did I get? involved in this well I'm an immigrant myself and I don't know if you remember I met Jesus in a detention center because I tried to cross the border illegally um, they eyes found me in the trunk of a car it's a crazy story but it was God's plan somehow so somebody presented Jesus to me in that detention center in Texas and um, I never saw those ladies again so then I got here to uh, Maryland, and 20 years later, later I, um, I'm working with a company that is, um, I don't know, contracted by the Department of Homeland Security. We work with people that were um, apprehended, uh, attempted to cross the border of the United States. So they got to go through um, immigration process. They got to go to court, and um, I don't decide whether they stay or they go, it's none of my business, actually. My business is what do I do while they are, when I'm in touch with them. So um, I take advantage every second that I can, and I just tell them that Jesus is real, and that's how I got involved. That, um, that's, 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 that's how I got involved, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> my name is Lee Ballard. And I live in Wheaton with my lovely wife, Jennifer, and our 13-year-old Brittany Spaniel, Penny. Um, ever since I can remember, I've been really fascinated and drawn to interact with different cultures. And America is a great place for that. We have people from every culture, and I really love that about, uh, about living you know, in the D.C. area in Maryland and as well as where I'm from in North Carolina. And eventually I got interested in foreign languages, um, and I was able to you know, go to Germany and Ukraine to learn those languages, uh, German and Russian, and I did Spanish in high school. But um, you know, a way to, to get to those places was to teach English. So I was, for about five years, I taught English in different environments. And currently, I work in the translation industry, which is a little bit different, but also language-related. And um, 
being involved in this ministry has allowed me to kind of go back a little bit towards an earlier part of my story, and I didn't know exactly when that was going to be, you know, when that would reemerge. Um, one of the other questions is going to touch on that, but yeah. um, I just you. thought of this too while you were saying that Lee and Jennifer came to be a part of the Restore community right around the time we decided to do our first round of English lessons. And I remember announcing it and Lee coming up to me afterwards and saying, hey, I'd love to help with that. And like his, and honestly, in my mind, I'm like, how in the world are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to create lessons and, and make this effective? And here God brought them to us in a really, like the perfect timing. Like right when we were like, okay, we, we have to respond to what Lanise is leading and asking us to do. And then here come Lee and Jennifer. And I was like, whoa, that's not an accident. So go ahead, Carrie. My name is Kerry. Um, I live in University Park, Maryland with my wife and two kids. Uh, one of my kids, Gabriel, went to school. Well, actually, both the kids went to school with the Tyson boys. Uh, but Gabe and Ty were best friends. And the opportunity came that Aaron was going back to Greece and he was going to take Ty this year. And so Ty, being bold, said, Gabe, you want to come to Greece with us? And Gabe said, yeah. So... <laughs> That's, that's kind of how it started. Um, you know, if I circle back a little bit, at our church, we go to University Baptist Church in, uh, in College Park, and our pastor, we have a, 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 um, a refugee program, and our pastor's son really kind of sparked something a few years ago when he said he was really touched by the refugee um, situation, and he said, we have to do more. And that kind of really opened my eyes to opportunities to do more didn't know what that would be didn't know how how it would play out but just you know similar situation you see it but you don't really know what it's about so um that opened my eyes a little more and then you know a few years later this opportunity to go over and, and see it firsthand present itself so really uh thankful and obviously we all know god works the way that he works and um you know everything kind of circles back so that's how we got involved in it and uh, went over to greece had a great time yeah, yeah i still remember Ty coming home from school and saying, hey, Dad, I, I told, or I invited Gabe to Greece. <laughs> just laugh. I, I didn't laugh at him, but internally I was like, oh, you're crazy. His parents, and I immediately, immediately sat down. I think I emailed you guys to let, like, hey, just in case Gabe comes home. And then they responded back, hey, actually, we've been talking about this. We're really interested. And I'm like, what? And then next thing you know, Carrie and Gabe were going with us to Greece this past summer. It was incredible. First, two first time we've taken kids. And Gabe and Ty were integral. Uh, to what we were doing there. They, they, they were incredible. So the next question I'd love for you to, to share on is, how do you think your actions locally or globally um, help those who are seeking asylum or trying to restart in a new place or new community? So the easy, the easy thing for, uh, for our trip is that we just were able to interact on a different level um, as we were, you know, every day was a little bit different. So there wasn't really a set, you know, curriculum. It was like the night before we would talk about what we're going to do tomorrow. And sometimes that would change just from circumstances. But the idea of when we were spending time with uh, these families and they were individuals, they were, you know, parents, kids, just moms with kids, you know, it was all mixed. So there wasn't one set thing. And that was one of the things that really hit me that the idea was there's no... Um, you know, cardboard cutout of what a refugee is. They, they're all different situations, all different ages. And so the fact that we were there to share with them and in the short time, you know, seven days, 
to be able to build a connection, a deep connection. I mean, the last night we were there, the amount of tears that were flowing between our group and between the, the people that we interacted with was just incredible. And you, you would not think that in that short of time you can build that strong connection with people you have no connection with, no, you know, no knowledge of. So that was really a big thing of just showing that. And then, you know, the, the ideas of social media and being able to connect. I mean, a bunch of the people that we met over there, you're able to connect on social media, on Facebook, and be able to just keep in touch and just message back and forth. And even if it's just a thumbs up, you know, knowing that somebody somewhere else is connected with them, I think is something that was very important, very powerful. And that's something that, you know, we like to think about on a regular basis, but also be, be uh, intentional about how you communicate and what you're talking to. And, you know, God bless you goes a long way. And hearing it and, and sending it is something that's been very special. Sorry, could you repeat the yeah. question? How do you think your actions locally or globally um, have helped those who are seeking asylum or trying to restart their lives in a new place, in a new community? Well, living in a country where you don't understand what people are saying is very scary, it's very challenging, and it can be very isolating. So I feel like your mission as an ESL teacher or someone who wants to interact with the community is to integrate people, to give people the option to integrate into your culture, to feel valued as a person, um, to feel loved as a person, and to feel like you have options rather than being stuck somewhere. Well, um, to me, well, imagine to, to leave your home country, to leave everything, to leave your friends, your culture, your language, and come to a new place. And um, Many of these people have so much burden, so much pain that you can even find on The stories are really hard sometimes to hear. So uh, there's a Bible in the... In the there's a verse in the Bible that say, I don't have, Peter say, I don't have gold or silver for whatever I have, I give you. Something along those lines. Um, just, I, need, I know that the best thing that I can do to them is bring them to Jesus or help them to come to Jesus. And I know in my heart that if he, they have Jesus, I know that they're going to be okay, that they're not going to be alone, that um, every need, our father is great, and those immigrants and refugees are, are part of God's plan, and they are important. They are important yes. to God. So how I impact whatever I do, um, when they accept Jesus, when they hear a, a, a word of encouragement, um, I see that their life turn around, changed. I, I see them, like I see the beginning the, the, when they first come, so afraid, and then months later, I see the transformation. Um, what better gift can you give a person, right, to, to, to bring them to our Lord? And if God has them, then they're going to be fine. So that's it. I have one. <laughs> see, I get nervous when I speak in English. <laughs> You speak great English. Uh, so the last question is, um, how has this impacted you? I told Aaron, that's my favorite question. Uh, sometimes we get so caught up in our own problems, our own needs. I don't have these. I need these. Um, um, 
but when I see the hard times, so all the that many people go through, it makes me forget mine. My problems become so little. So I don't take my life for granted, at least I try very hard. I feel like I'm a very blessed person. Uh, it's not that I don't have problems, but they are very small in comparison with, with what the other people, not only here, but around the world are going through. So I just enjoy everything that God gives me. I think I owe it to them. I can be happy today. <laughs> Sadly, not all of the refugees have accepted Jesus. So if life is hard for us, having Jesus sometimes, because I'm being honest, sometimes it's hard, right? Uh, imagine those that doesn't have him. So that's how it impacted me. Um, just live life the best I can every day, knowing that what I have is more, way more of what other people have in the world. So that's how it imp impacted me, really. Enjoy life. Um, just... Just enjoy life. For about five years, I haven't been teaching English. I've been working in the translation industry, and there are a lot of things I like about it. I get to work in Microsoft Word a lot. <laughs> um, and there are languages, and it's fun, and I can learn stuff. Um, but what's not there is the person-to-person, people-to-people, face-to-face, in-person interactions that you get every single second when you're actively teaching, actively volunteering, actively just being with people. And um, when you affirm someone else's sacred worth, when you share your heart with them, when you open your heart, and they open their heart and they're vulnerable, then you also affirm your own sacred worth. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to hit kind of a couple different things. Hopefully I won't take too long. Um, but a few things, just the trip itself. Um, obviously the foundation is sharing God's love and sharing Jesus' love and experience. And that was the foundation. So as far as how has that changed, it, it really reinforced um, my spiritual walk and my faith and my, my commitment um, because of so many things that were pulled together that necessarily, I, I wouldn't say don't belong, but weren't homogenous, right? So we started off, there's a group of eight of us, six of us traveled together, and uh, Aaron, Ty, Gabe, and I, we knew each other, but the other two people, I didn't know Aaron had the tie with them. Then we got to, to Greece, and two more people that had a relationship with Aaron, but we didn't know. So in essence, you know, there were eight people that were interacting together that had some connection, but not really that strong. Um, by the end of the week, you would think that we had known each other for forever. And so, again, just bringing different people together, um, that was a real common theme. So through the, the week, and like I said, every day there were different things that we did. Um, different families, different individuals would come to this house that we were in from all different backgrounds, all different places, all different thought process, and come together. And we'd sing, and, and someone would, would speak and share the word. And, and it, it didn't matter where we were from, didn't matter what our backgrounds it was just we we're all there together and it was under the umbrella of God's love um, just the foundation that our host family they opened their house 
to, in essence, most of the people were strangers. You know, they have the foundation, they were in the refugee, and they were in this, this kind of program, so you, you, know, you have that base, but you don't have no idea of, you know, who these people, what their backgrounds are, and, and they'd open their house, feed, interact, fellowship, and it was just amazing because it all just came back to bringing people together under the, the foundation, under the, the, the word of God, and, and that was something that was so powerful because so many times, and we see it every day, that there's so many people with different backgrounds, differences, different thought, whatever the case may be, different people that can't get along. And we all got along great and not just got along, but really thrived in a, such a short time. So just being open to it is a, a huge opportunity to make a difference. So that was one of the biggest things. Um, another one, we were sitting, I think it was the second night they were there. And so a lot of the refugees are Muslim. And so we're Christian. And the conversation, Aaron spoke to the group, and he just shared, you know, about Jesus. And the question came back was, you know, you say Jesus is God, Jesus is not God. And so right there, you, could, <clears throat> you can feel the entire yard was like, okay, what's going to happen right now? Right? You know, the, the quintessential question, religious difference. And Aaron, I mean, like a ninja precision, it was like... <laughs> You know, I say he could, you could teach a master class on it because it was a simple thing was, I'm just sharing what I believe and I want to know about what you believe. And once we understand how we believe, we can better understand each other and appreciate. So it wasn't a situation where somebody was just jamming something down your throat. It was a great opportunity to say, we're just sharing. And again, that's differences and accepting differences between people. And so that one right there, I think that was the, the most powerful thing that I experienced because you do, whatever the situation is, you know, parents, kids, husband, wife, you know, you, you, you disagree on something and the foundation is, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push. You, you're going to understand what I'm, what I'm telling you. Learn what I'm telling you instead of I'm just sharing and I want to hear what you understand. And then from there, if we both understand where we are, then the road to a solution is a lot smoother. And so that was the second night and three nights later and, and you know, Aaron and, and, and the, the guy that had the, the conflict I mean, they're best buds. I mean, you probably see them on, on Facebook. They've got pictures and stuff and everything. But, but it was just right there. And, and a point of a major point of, of contention and conflict was diffused by just a simple, I just want to understand you, and I want you to understand me. And so that was something that was really powerful that we got out of that. The third thing, you know, Aaron was talking about our boys, and they were just there being kids, right? There were a lot of kids that were there and didn't matter, I mean, a little bit, you try to learn a couple of the words, a couple of sayings, but it, the language barrier meant nothing. These kids were, you would have thought that they had grown up with each other for, you know, all their lives. They were just running around, playing tag, playing soccer, some other games. I mean, just being kids. And, you know, for the, the children of the refugees that had been through so much, you know, leaving their homeland, leaving their family, and you, you would think, so I asked Gabe, I said, what do you think? He said, oh, you know, not too bad. And just that, that child, youthful, like, um, just that experience of like, hey, you know, the kids are running around, they're having fun, we got along, we're interacting, and no matter how bad the circumstances were, you know, they were still able to have a smile on their face, come in and interact, and, and mainly because they had this, this place where they can go and share and, and be together, but, you know, again, under God's plan and, you know, bringing these communities together was just something that was really powerful, but so for kids to be able to go and interact with different people, with different circumstances, to not carry their, their burdens with them was so powerful. And then 
the last thing was just the fact of, and we heard their stories, and they had some pretty intense stories at every level, um, but not one person came into that gathering with their head down, drooping, you know, poor me, you know, this is, hey, I, one, one, of, the, one of the refugees was from Aleppo, and he showed a video of us, you know, his house before, and then a video of his house after it had been hit with bombs. And at that point, you know, common sense for me is thinking, like, I'd never want to go back there again. But he's, you know, where do you want to go next? And he said, I want to go back to Syria. That's my home. You know, once all the bombing stops, I'm going to go back. And so having that connection to their homeland was so strong. But just the fact that they weren't moping around. They weren't, you know, again, now maybe when they're back, you know, in their individual quarters, maybe it's a little bit heavier. But when they were interacting with, again, strangers, people that they had just met a few days before, it was, hey, we are just so happy to be together. And one of them said, you know, at this point, in their home lives, in their home countries, in their home situations, because they were from Iraq, from, from, uh, from Syria, from Kurds, like they were from all over. They said, we would never be able to interact like this. We would never interact like this, under, but now we can. And, you know, even the conversations that got tense about religious, it was still, we can't have these conversations so the fact that we can have these conversations, whether we want to or not, the fact that we can was so powerful. But they were just thankful to be able to be in that, in that situation. So, so there was a lot that, that came out of that. And then, um, you know, the fact that, you know, all these different people from different backgrounds, different situations were there. And it was all because of God and Jesus' love that we were able to participate in this and be a part of it. So, um, so that's how, you know, for me, it's changed just understanding how powerful just being somewhere and, and being present and being, you know, um, giving someone the opportunity to be around somebody different and, and connecting with them, how powerful that is. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Um, I, know, I know many of you had to travel a while, so give them a round of applause. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, just a couple things to close up here. Um, Phil and Carrie are going to come up and, and lead us in one more song here in a second. I just want to say a few things. Um, yeah, just hearing some of those and reliving some of those moments, those stories are living vicariously through some of that. Um, I, I hope that we all sense kind of the breadcrumbs of the spirit there of, okay, what, what is God like leading me into next? Um, what, what, what power awaits? What healing? What justice or restoration awaits if I participate in where he's leading me to go? Um, and there's a few things um, over the last month or so, you've probably noticed, um, I've been laying down a few specific challenges for our church community, which is kind of not really what I do or we do as pastors of Restore. Um, we really want to talk about who Jesus is and what he's up to in the world and see how the spirit moves in your different networks and your different lives and see what you respond to because we've seen so much power of, of God come through that, of just people responding and not having any kind of prompting from us. But there are a few spe specific things, and this will be the last Sunday we talk about it, that I've challenged our people in getting involved in. And one of them is attending to, uh, committing to attend neighborhood collectives this next season, which is going to go from um, next Sunday through early December, uh, when we gather for guided discussion, for prayer, and for food. Um, you might see members of City of Refuge uh, coming into those gatherings. That's something Lenise uh, and, and I have talked about. And about not only are we doing English lessons, but 
we're breaking bread to, together. We're getting to know one another. It's going to help their English the more they're inter interacting. And it's going to make them f be less fearful. Uh, the, as Carrie was talking about, the ministry of presence, of being with people physically, it does wonders in someone's life. And so we hope that uh, both because of that and because we want to be brothers and sisters Sir, um, being with one another around the table, we hope you'll get involved in neighborhood collectives. The second thing is serving in Kid City once a month, uh, our environment here. We want more families to, to join Restore, more people. And the number one factor that people look for in a new church community when they're searching is, are my kids safe and having fun? They, that's the number one factor as they look at the Kid City environment. Not only that, we want to be empowering the next generation. So we're asking everybody... Uh, every single person in Restore to serve kids in Kids City once a month. And then the third thing, committing to Restore's justice work and, and, and restoration work, either locally uh, through English lessons and participating in, in Lenise's ministry with City of Refuge. Um, we're asking everybody to serve once. Uh, it's Wednesday nights at the living room from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. It starts October 9th. English lessons. You don't have to have any experience. If you can speak English, you can teach it. All right? It's really... It's really easy, it's really simple, and it's really impactful and, and, and empowering for them. Um, and we also would ask you to consider a global work, a global movement of going on one of our trips to Greece. Uh, we've got one as a church coming up next summer. Uh, I know Brian Haney's leading a, a trip this spring with, with some people he knows uh, from high school, or his old high school. The fourth thing is invite people to our, into our community, whether it be through Neighborhood Collective, if that's the best door, you think for them to enter through, or whether it's here on a Sunday morning, we all have people in our lives who we know need the, the, the healing touch of, of Christ's love and truth, and we're, uh, we're just challenging each of you to think about who are, what are the relational breadcrumbs that the Holy Spirit has laid out, respond to that. And we believe, I mean, obviously we're biased. We believe we have something special in our church. We haven't got it all figured out by any means. <laughs> Man, we don't have it figured out. But we do know that Christ is at the center of our community, and we want more people to come to know him through us. So let me pray, and then we're going we're gonna to celebrate and worship one more time together.